This is a WKYT podcast. Good morning from WKYT News. I'm Bill Bryant, and we welcome you to Kentucky Newsmakers. Later, Kentucky's new Secretary of State, Michael Adams, will join us. We'll talk about why he's pushing for a law requiring a photo identification for voters in Kentucky. The Secretary of State will be with us shortly. But first, the interim president of Eastern Kentucky University is joining us. A few weeks ago, President Michael Benson resigned as leader of the large comprehensive regional university in Richmond. Well, some universities might have been in a scramble in a situation like that. EKU had a steady hand on campus ready to go. Dr. David McFadden is a two-time graduate of EKU who also holds an MBA from UK. He worked in strategic communications with AT&T before returning to his alma mater as Senior Vice President for Operations and Strategic Initiatives. McFadden knows how the campus operates and serves more than 15,000 students. He's also represented Eastern and Higher Education in Frankfurt and Washington. Washington. EKU Interim President Dr. David McFadden joining us. Thanks for coming. We appreciate it very much. Thanks for having Welcome. me, Bill. Excited to be here. Uh, so at this point, uh, congratulations on your selection for now. Uh, you have made note of the accomplishments of Dr. Benson and the opportunities that, uh, that he gave you along the way. And uh, I assume that uh, you want to say something about that as you're hitting the ground running. Yeah, Dr. Benson's been a, a great mentor, a great friend. Uh, he provided me an opportunity to uh, to really grow uh, in, in my leadership and in, in, in higher education coming from the from the private sector. Uh, I'm benefited to have served the, the previous two administrations. Dr. Doug Whitlock uh, hired me as, as he was he was leaving and had the confidence in me to do that work. And, and Dr. Benson really put a lot of opportunity in front of me. And for that, I'm, I will be eternally grateful. I understand you're taking the position there's not a minute to waste. Uh, as you have, uh, as we said, hit the ground running, you've got uh, a lot going on on campus. You have to watch a lot of things that affect campus and uh, the political structure and so forth. Uh, where is your emphasis right now? Well, we, we've started a, a biennial session, a budget year. Uh, as, uh, as a state university, we're going to be very focused on what's going on in Frankfurt. Uh, I feel like that uh, the past 20 years of me working in and around Frankfurt uh, has, has really uh, gives me a strategic advantage there. Uh, I've got a great team who, who are on the ground doing that work uh, every day. But uh, we're really curious to see uh, where things go from here. Uh, Kentucky has had a decade of continuous cuts to higher ed. Uh, the, the comments from the governor at the State of the Commonwealth on Tuesday night were encouraging. And uh, we're hopeful that the, the legislature uh, will, will work with, with the executive branch, work with the universities, and see if we can make an investment in higher education because I do think it pays a return, Bill. As you know, some lawmakers have said, show us the money when it comes to that. Will you, as a, a part of the higher education community and the interim president of EKU, help make the case to lawmakers uh, that uh, spending cuts have been detrimental to the state and you need to, to get those Restored. Well, I think as, as we look at uh, the challenges that the Commonwealth faces, and, and I'm very respectful of the fact that uh, as we look at a state of just over four and a half million people, we look at some of the things that continue uh, to need investment in this state. Uh, some are, are things that we get a return on and some are things that we don't. I believe higher education is one of those things that we will get a multiplier of, uh, of return. And in fact, a study just came out yesterday. The Council on Post-Secondary Education put a study out. It said that uh, in Kentucky, the investment that's been made in higher education has given us a 68 times return on that investment and in, uh, in taxpayer revenue and support for the Commonwealth. And so uh, I'm encouraged that I think we can make a, a very compelling case 
that this investment will pay dividends for our, for our communities. The college degrees have long been linked to, to uh, higher earnings, therefore more taxes paid. Does it seem to you counterintuitive at times if we don't invest in, in higher ed? Well, I think that, you know, that as we think about the challenges that are put in front of policymakers, uh, we believe higher education is fundamentally important. We're also not so tone deaf as to understand we don't have a pension crisis. We also understand that support for, for Medicaid and other services is critically important. That, that we've got a criminal justice crisis on our hands. As we look in, uh, across the counties, the 120 counties in Kentucky, uh, to a point, every one of those, those fiscal courts, those jails are full of individuals who uh, we're trying to figure out uh, what, what are our communities gonna do to make sure they can survive. And, and we're, we're, we are in tune with that but we want to be a part of that solution, and I think we can be. Has EKU decided what to do with pensions in the long term? I know you're studying that. I think that uh, we, we are engaged right now in, in reviewing the actuarial data. Uh, we will be bringing a recommendation to our board uh, sometime before April the 1st. Uh, right now, no decision has been made uh, long term as to, to our continued participation. But first and foremost, Bill, what we're going to think about is our people. And uh, that, that's our number one priority. Uh, we are a family at EKU, and, and we're going to make sure that we do the things that are, that are right for the people who, who are a part of our family. Uh, we know that our students, faculty, and staff take a lot of pride uh, in being a colonel, and, and we want to make sure that we're thinking about them first. As you uh, sit there in the seat right now and you're looking at all that's going on on campus, what is the, the biggest challenge facing EKU at the moment? I think right now that the changing landscape of higher education uh, is forcing institutions to change. Uh, if we read through the, the national journals, uh, the, uh, the, if we think about all of the institutions across the nation, day in and day out we see institutions who, who have been here for hundreds of years who are not going to be here longer. And the nature of the changing marketplace is necessitating that we change, that we be more uh, responsive to the marketplace, that we be more flexible, uh, that we think about things in new and creative ways. And we've got outstanding faculty and staff on our campus who are thinking about those things. The evolution of online education is changing. Uh, what we're doing with, with our campus infrastructure, uh, we have had a major revitalization on our campus. The residential experience today, Bill, is much different than when you and I went to, went to Eastern, and, uh, and our students are, are hungry for that. And we're excited to open a, a new rec center where our students can, can keep their, their bodies healthy. We're opening uh, a renovated PAL student union uh, that is going to be a place where they can meet and they can come together and they can fellowship and they can grow as a, as an, as a colonel family. So we're, we're excited about that, but the biggest challenge for us is staying ahead of the curve. Uh, and making sure that we are leading change in the marketplace, not trailing that change. Uh, campus uh, accommodations have changed. It's not uh, triple at Keene Hall anymore, right? <laughs> <laughs> I, too, was a Keene Hall resident. <laughs> Off campus, they called it then. That's right. Uh, but the Recreation Center is a, is a major investment, and as I understand it, some of that uh, funding uh, comes from uh, students uh, who are paying an activity yeah. fee, right? Yeah, we, we had a chance to work with our student government, our student body several years ago to talk about what are their priorities, to engage them and let them tell us what do we want and the two things that came out of that conversation is they wanted a more comprehensive recreation facility something where they could come and 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 think about training their bodies and relaxing and doing the things that 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 they want to do to be able to focus in the classroom and they said hey we want good hangout space we want to we want a, a student center that we can be proud of and a place that we want to hang out and be there and so that's an investment that they chose to make in themselves. And so while those students who made that decision are, pro are, are not going to get the benefit of those facilities, they did it for the next generation. I think that's, that's a great lesson that comes out of what we do every day at EKU. We're thinking about not only the students of today, 
for the students of tomorrow. And when you go talk to the students of tomorrow and you try to get down there granularly in speaking with some of the uh, potential mm -hmm. uh, students to, to, to come uh, to campus, uh, what are you telling them in terms of getting ready to, to do college work? <laughs> well, I, I think we're telling them, you know, be diligent in high school. Uh, when you can, uh, do dual credit. Uh, be applying yourself while you're there. But we're also saying that, that come here and be a part of this experience. The student experience is something that is transformational during those four years or five years. Um, you know, some stay a little longer. Uh, but, but the reality is this. We hope that when they leave there, yes, they've got a degree. Yes, that the marketplace and the, work, and the workplace is saying we're hungry for those Eastern graduates because they can do the work. The other thing is this. We hope that they're a better person that they think about the world in, more in a more broad terms, and that they're willing to step up and serve in their communities. And I think that the statistics show that out. Individuals with college degrees make their communities better. Whether they're, they're working, they're volunteering, they're PTA members, they're, they're involved in all the activities that make communities great, and that's important to us. How much priority do you put on the, the service nature of the university to its, uh, to its region? You know, EKU is, a, again, a major comprehensive university. Uh, trying to help in a region with uh, uh, poor health, an opioid crisis, uh, dwindling population in, the, in many of the counties. Uh, how do you reach out to those areas and, and, and try to help? You know, Bill, um, I'm probably the first native son of, of the mountains of eastern Kentucky to sit in this chair uh, in a good while, um, and we're going to be very focused on that. Our institution by design is designed to, to look at, to think about critically complex problems and come up with solutions. We got a lot of smart people on our campus, people who have big hearts and who want to help. And so we are going to have an emphasis on Eastern Kentucky and thinking about helping to transform that region. Uh, whether it's our partnership with the SOAR organization, working with our community partners to think about what they need. The, I think the driving force for the economy in Eastern Kentucky, in my opinion, having been someone who, who grew up there in Far Eastern Kentucky, is going to be that entrepreneur. The person who has the skills, the ability, the willingness to be able to create their own way, to create their own path forward and have those communities support that. And so that's a big part of what we do. Entrepreneurship is a fundamental part of the education at EKU. Uh, Eastern's long been proud of its rankings for school as, as, a, as a military school for veterans mm -hmm. who come there. You have some uh, good rankings that have come in uh, for your online programs for that and nursing as well, right? Yeah, we, we're doing outstanding work in, in, in the online sector. Uh, our nursing program's uh, top 50 in the nation. Uh, when we think about our gaming design, several of the programs that we have. Meeting students where they're at is very important today and I think the investment that, that's being made to connect the Commonwealth, uh, the, the connected nature of the world today says, hey, we need a robust onla uh, online space. We're not going to lose sight of that residential experience. We think that's very important too. But it's not either or, it's both. And I think that's the, that's the challenge we have is balancing that and growing, growing in both spaces. But yes, Huge focus on veterans. We're, we're one of the most veteran-friendly campuses in America. Uh, a great project that we're getting ready to launch this fall is a, uh, is a project where we're going to have uh, housing on campus for veterans, uh, uh, for low-income, single parents, and it's going to have a workforce training component to it. Yes, we, we are focused on degrees. But we're also focused on those credentials, those badges, and those certificates that help people get jobs. How important are intercollegiate athletics to EKU? You've recently named a new athletics director and a new football coach with ties to the legendary Roy Kidd. Absolutely. Um, 
you know, athletics, and, and many say this, this is, this is not my, my own words, it's the front porch of the institution. Uh, when we think about the, the, the visibility in the media for EKU, uh, it's often EKU athletics. And so uh, we've hired an outstanding athletic director who, who knows Eastern, who knows Appalachia, who's went uh, to another institution and had uh, really substantial success. And we were, we were really excited to bring Matt Roan back uh, to be a part of, of our executive cabinet to lead athletics on our campus, but to also make sure that we're taking a look at athletics, not from the past 40 years, and we respect that tradition and that legacy, but really thinking about what does the next 40 years look like? And, uh, and you know, we want to win, Bill. We want to we wanna compete on the, on the court, on the field, on, in the classroom, and we want to win for those student athletes every day. You have made a few references to the future and to uh, some years uh, up the road. Are you interested in the EKU presidency long term? Uh, the, the direct answer is yes, I am. Uh, there's a lot of work uh, ahead of us, and, and I'm very fortunate that the board um, and, and asking me to serve in this interim position uh, did not uh, in any way want to preclude me from participating in the search process. Uh, the board will obviously work on uh, fleshing that out over the coming weeks and months uh, to figure out how that search is going to go. Uh, I think the best thing that we can do and that I can do in that, at that time is keep our, our nose down, do the work that's needed at hand, and uh, we'll, we'll see where that goes uh, in, in the coming weeks and months. And get Whitehall cleaned up, I guess, from the storm damage. That is correct. Uh, <laughs> I, I got to say, to to our to our staff, to our folks who are on the ground there at Whitehall, uh, the response to that has been second to none. Uh, we had staff in there within you know 20 minutes of of that incident happening, moving those antiques and those valuables out of the impacted part of the house, putting them in a safe place. Uh, the emergency response, the community, the outpouring of the community. Uh, it, it, Whitehall is truly a, a cherished gem for this state. Uh, and it's something that Eastern takes a lot of pride in, in protecting. Good luck to you. Thanks for coming. All right. Thank we you, Bill. appreciate it. Stay with us on WKYT's Kentucky Newsmakers. The new Secretary of State, Michael Adams, will join us next. And we welcome you back to Kentucky Newsmakers. We're glad you're here on WKYT. We're joined today by Kentucky's new Secretary of State, Michael Adams. The Republican was elected in November. He took office earlier this month, and he quickly got out front with a proposal to require photo identification for voters. In his job as Secretary of State, he oversees Kentucky's voting procedures and is the custodian of business and legal records for the Commonwealth. Mr. Secretary, welcome. We appreciate you coming in. Good Thanks. to see My you. Thanks. My pleasure, Bill. Uh, again, you are out front with this ID issue uh, rather quickly here. You've acknowledged that uh, there is not a whole lot of evidence of uh, uh, people in the country showing up uh, pretending to be somebody they're not on Election Day. We don't have not had a major problem with that uh, here in Kentucky. But you think that this is uh, will strengthen the, the electoral process if we have a, a stronger ID process? I do. And part of this effort for me is, is education of the public. Most people think that we already require a photo ID to vote. And you can't blame them because most people, they walk up, they vote, and they provide a driver's license just naturally the way they do the same thing when they go to cash a check or buy Sudafed or any other function in modern life. Uh, so part of what I've had to do is travel the state the last two years in my campaign and let people know that we have a loophole in our law. We currently don't require a photo ID to vote. The poll worker is allowed to ask for a photo ID, but doesn't have to. And if the poll worker does ask, the voter doesn't have to show that. Uh, we've found that about 98% of voters do provide a photo ID when they vote. And that's great. That means this is not as controversial an idea as some might suggest. Of course, that leaves about 2%. We need to make sure those 2% of voters are who they say they are. 
uh, and we have close elections in the state. We had a governor's race decided by only about 5,000 votes statewide, about a third of a percentage point. We've had races for the state legislature decided literally by a vote or two votes or five votes or seven votes. Uh, and those close elections determine whether there's a supermajority by one party or the other. And so to me, it's important to have zero election fraud. We don't have to have dozens and dozens of cases of in-person uh, impersonation of identity to have a desire to solve this problem proactively. What do you say, Mr. Secretary, to uh, opponents who say that any barrier to voting uh, will, uh, will keep people out of the process? If they really believe that, then they can propose a law to repeal the law we currently have, which allows a poll worker to require a non-photo ID. If that's what they really believe, they should follow their principles and say, let's get rid of all identity checks whatsoever. No one really believes that. So uh, you also, as part of this law that's being proposed, you are hopeful that the final version will include an avenue to a free state identification, right? Well, as a matter of fact, uh, this was my signature issue I campaigned on, but I said openly uh, that if a version of this bill was proposed that didn't allow for a free ID for anyone who wants one so that person can vote, I would oppose this measure even though it's my own measure. Uh, to me, it's both inhumane to require an ID and not fund it. Uh, it's also, I think, probably unconstitutional. I don't want a bill that's going to be struck down by the courts. I want a bill that actually becomes law and works. So you would think that this ID potentially uh, could be useful to people in other ways who, who may at this point uh, not have access to one. That's right. And the way that we wrote the law, in fact, uh, you don't have to vote to get the ID. You don't even have to register to get the ID. It's a free ID. You can use it for all kinds of stuff. To me, the real scandal here is that we have second-class citizens in our state who don't have an ID. They can't participate in the basic functions of daily life. Uh, how can you open a bank account and save for your future and just do basic things every day you need to do without an ID? Uh, do you, uh, at this point, feel like this has a good chance of uh, passage in the legislature? I'm very confident that we'll get it through. Uh, right now, it's in the Senate. Uh, we've got some eight or nine sponsors, of, uh, co-sponsors of the bill. It's a pretty good sign. Uh, we feel great about the chances in the Senate. Uh, we haven't got over to the House yet. We'll do that soon. Uh, but I feel pretty confident about passage given the uh, majorities that we have in both chambers and in my party. We're in the middle of a, a presidential election year. Uh, Kentucky also will have one of the most closely watched U.S. Senate races uh, in America this year. Are you confident that, uh, that our Kentucky election system is solid and is fair going into this important time? Well, uh, I'll be honest. I want time to actually get into the weeds myself, get my uh, security briefings and so forth, and I'll be able to better answer that. Here's the short answer, though. Based on what I have seen previously, in my service on the State Board of Elections and just being involved in the process generally, I'm confident that we're among the best states in the country in election integrity against foreign actors. I'm more concerned about domestic actors. I'm more concerned about our classic election fraud that we have cycle after cycle in this state where we have people reliably every election cycle go to federal prison for vote buying and vote buying conspiracies. That to me is a, is a bigger threat today than the foreign threats. Now, I say that prior to the classified briefings I'm about to start uh, getting. Uh, do you fear meddling of any kind in our, in our process by foreign actors or by uh, domestically, uh, you know, as, as we move toward these elections? I don't have any specific fear of something I'm aware of, but I will tell you as a general matter, yeah, I do. Uh, I'm concerned, and it's not unique to Kentucky. It's something that all states face, uh, but we're ground zero. 
that's part of why I'm trying to get this photo ID measure through for this year's elections, because it's a perfect storm. You've got one of the most important people in Washington on the ballot in our state. I think if there's any place that foreign actors want to play around or others may want to play around, it's here. For many years, there was a push to, uh, uh, you know, go all electronic, and now many of the counties are, are going back to paper ballots, and the, the return, uh, I think, is uh, here in central Kentucky is uh, uh, just about completely there. Uh, as we make those changes, do you think that uh, that, that will provide more security for the ballot? To I, I do. So here's the irony. Uh, the reason we have electronic machines in nearly all the counties is to correct for what happened in Florida in 2000, the Bush versus Gore situation. You had paper ballots. Uh, they were found to be, uh, they weren't defective in and of themselves, but the way they were structured confused voters. And so you saw a move toward new machines that were electronic. This was incentivized by Congress with the grant process. And now we've come full circle where we want to get rid of the electronic machines and move toward paper. Uh, I, I endorse paper ballots in my campaign. I think it should be the choice of the counties because they actually pay for the equipment. Uh, but I volunteered to use my position as Secretary of State to help the counties apply for federal grants to replace their machines with electronic machines that count paper. To me, it's important to have a paper trail, to have uh, audit capability, to actually have the ballots in a box where we can run them through the machine again and double check them if we think something's wrong. Your predecessor was uh, removed from the State uh, Board of Elections. Do you have plans to try to reclaim some of the election responsibilities that were shifted at that time? Well, I agreed with the legislation that passed a year ago that made that change, given what I thought was an emergency in that office that was unique uh, to, to those circumstances at the time. But I separately said that whether I won the election or not, I preferred that those powers be restored to the Secretary of State. Uh, even if my opponent, Heather Henry, had won, I would 100% back her in having those powers restored to her office if she were here. Uh, that said, I don't plan to use what capital I have politically on that issue. I'm a lot more concerned about photo ID and the other issues I ran on than I am about whether or not these powers are restored to my office. We're with the Secretary of State of the Commonwealth of Kentucky, and we're coming back here in just a moment. We're going to ask him uh, what are his plans to hopefully get more voters uh, involved in the process and what else he has planned for his term when we come back. Welcome back to WKYT's Kentucky Newsmakers, and we're glad you're with us today. We're glad to be joined by the Secretary of State of Kentucky, Michael Adams, as uh, we've been discussing his uh, proposal that Kentucky move forward with uh, photo IDs for voters, and he has uh, predicted it's likely that uh, that, that will pass uh, going forward. Uh, you've also uh, talked about uh, ways to try to increase voter participation. All parties uh, have that looks differently to, mm -hmm. to some, depending on where they are. How far do you go in pushing that change? Some uh, call for uh, no excuse early voting in Kentucky, as is the case in many other states. Are you for that? Uh, no, I'm not for that uh, for a few reasons, but one of the biggest reasons is it's an unfunded mandate that would be extraordinarily expensive for the county clerks. Uh, we have county clerks of both parties who are on the front lines running these elections. They do a great job. They're underfunded. They don't get the funding from the General Assembly that state law actually requires that they get. 
we think that the cost of providing free IDs is going to be relatively modest, but the cost of expanding early voting would be astronomical. Instead of having one election day, you've got 30 or 45 election days. And what studies show is it doesn't really increase the turnout that much. It just smooths it out over a longer period of time. What do you say, though, uh, Mr. Secretary, to people who say, you know, maybe they work 8 to 5, they, uh, they have to get kids off to school before and maybe pick up uh, some folks and dinner on the way home, and there isn't time on that one weekday that we hold an election. Uh, what, what do you say to them? Well, I say I, I share the inconvenience that you have. I'm a busy guy, too. I always have been. Uh, and sometimes I vote by mail, and sometimes I vote early. Uh, I will tell you my personal experience. When I voted for president in 2016, I waited in line for three and a half hours uh, to vote early at the county courthouse. And it broke my heart that I saw so many people just shrug their shoulders and, and walk away. I think we can find ways to make the process easier and faster. I think the implementation of e-poll books is going to make the check-in process much faster than it had been when people had to sign a log in a book. We're going to get people in and out of the polls faster, I think, over the next four years. So there are ways that we can make the process more convenient without resorting to a, a big expense like that. You don't think we are headed toward online voting anytime soon? Not while I'm in this office, absolutely not. How do you feel about open primaries where independents can vote in the primary or where uh, people can go in and choose which primary they will take part in on that day? Well, that's a question that's up to the legislature and to the parties. My own personal opinion is I like our current system. Uh, under our current system, the Republicans get to decide who is the Republican nominee and the Democrats get to decide who is the Democratic nominee. Uh, as a Republican, I wouldn't necessarily want Democrats choosing our nominees, and Democrats may feel the same way. Other things you want people to know about the functions of the Office of Secretary of State and your plans over this uh, the term you'll serve? Well, of course, we, uh, we're the repository of state records. Every single action taken by the governor, I personally uh, sign it. Uh, every executive order and appointment and so forth. It's pretty neat to actually literally put your signature on the pages of history in that way. Uh, we also uh, are the place where corporations file their documents, their reports, and so forth. So there are a lot of things that we do. Uh, my office is going to be rolling out several initiatives the next four years. Uh, we're still working on what those look like. They may be speaking series or other things like that. Uh, but we're going to address topical issues. We're going to address the divide right now, the cultural divide in Kentucky between right and left, liberal and conservative, uh, urban and rural. Uh, we're going to address social mobility. Uh, we're going to address uh, different things that don't necessarily fall under my office in, in a regulatory way, but are, are related initiatives. Uh, that's important to us. We want to use, use it as a pulpit. That's right. Another one is good citizenship. Uh, we're going to encourage voter participation. We're going to encourage registration. In fact, just last night, the janitor who cleans our office in the Capitol, we got to talking with her. We found out she wasn't registered. We got her registered. Uh, we're going to go out of our way to make sure people feel included. Um, but being a good citizen is not just about voting. The same way being a good Christian isn't just about going to church on Sunday morning. It's a full-time thing. So we're going to look at ways that people can get involved as citizens beyond just the local process. Secretary of State Michael Adams, thanks for coming. We appreciate Thank you, it. Bill. Thanks so much. Thank you for joining us for this edition of Kentucky Newsmakers. Make it a good week ahead.